John Brennan here with MMA Tea Company. Got a fighter spotlight today. I'm joined by Gordon Wigington. Gordon, how you doing? Good man. Good man. Good to good to be here. Beautiful good, day. Good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to get you on the line today. Um, thanks for coming in from your car. Wanted to uh, talk to you about a few things. First off, we're coming off of the first live sporting event in about five weeks six weeks uh and as joe rogan so eloquently put it it was weird um i know i know you got to watch the fights we were uh messaging back and forth a little bit what do you think of the overall setup the card you know the no crowd all that um the no crowd thing was probably the biggest part of it for me i felt like it was almost better in some ways to watch the fights that way than it would be to watch it with a crowd of people just yelling random things that don't really know what they're watching but then I thought about it, and it's like certain fighters you probably wouldn't want in that kind of environment because of the show and everything else that they bring. Mm-hmm. But then I thought about it for people like us on like the regional scene where there probably wouldn't be that that bad or that big of an adjustment because the the room seemed to be a bit more calm, right? That the the it wasn't as thick of an environment as it normally would be with a crowd screaming and everything else. So, I mean, it was definitely different. It was definitely weird, but it was great to be able to hear like the corners in between rounds. It was great to be able to hear punches landing. Like just hearing, hearing how hard Justin Gaethje punches was, was very, very different. It was pretty nuts. And hearing like what it sounds like when Ngannou gets somebody flush. Like it, it was, it was a different element to bring to us. It was pretty cool. I, I, I didn't mind that aspect of it. Yeah, I, I thought, didn't understand uh, the the mask and why they had everyone sitting so far apart for commentary though. Because when they would do like spots on TV, they'd be like shoulder to shoulder, but then they made them sit like all, all the way across the cage. Which I thought that was weird. But other yeah, than that, I, I thought it was, a, it was it was good to see. I saw Dana tweeted out something like, "We did twelve hundred tests on three hundred people that are going to be in the building, and that's how they find out, you know, that that Jacare, um, you know, had COVID." But then I don't know why, if they're testing all those people, why they still got to wear masks when they're inside. And why some can be close, some cannot be close. I didn't understand who could wear them, who couldn't, why. I feel like the mask thing is a very blurred line in general anyway. Because even, like, going out places, like, you'll see people with masks and you'll see some people without masks. And it's Mm -hmm. like, are you guys enforcing them to be able to have the masks come on in here? Or it's I'm I'm, kind of over it. I just want everything to go back to normal. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Without a mask. And go uh, back to training and everything just be regular again. Yeah. Uh, speaking of those fights, um, you know, there were some, some fights that I thought were questionable in terms of decisions, in terms of stoppages. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the uh, Michelle Waterson and Carla Esparza fight. Did you have it going that way? Uh, no, I had Michelle Waterson winning, but at the same time, uh, Carla Esparza seemed to be playing – like almost the Michelle Waterson game better than Michelle Waterson mm-hmm. was playing. And Michelle Waterson looked a little bit flat, flatter than she normally looks. She's normally bouncing around a little bit more. But towards the towards like the, the second half of the second round, the third round, Esparza started to to put a little bit more pep in her She was landing, but she would back out. So I guess she was showing the judges that she was landing and then getting out and getting back in and landing. She also landed that takedown in there. But I thought Michelle Waterson won the fight. I thought she did more. I thought she controlled the grappling better overall throughout the fight. And I thought she landed more. Yeah, I was on the same page as you. Yeah, I'm not a judge, though. So. Yeah, neither am I. And I don't want to be because yeah. that's a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on just three people. I feel like judging is so broken in MMA that mm-hmm. I, it shouldn't even be entertained at this point. Like, I mean, it, you always feel like that cliche, oh, you don't leave it at the hands of the judges, which isn't 
easy to do. Like, I, I hate when people say that, but it's the truth because it's not, you can't, no one's going to, unless your friends in Ghana, <laughs> nobody's going out there and putting somebody out no. automatically. And so, I don't like that saying either because that's their job as judges is to pick the person that it's, won. It's what, so it, you would think that with that being their job, with their profession almost, that they would, you know, be adequate in what they're looking at. Like the Cowboy Pettis fight. Anthony Pettis didn't win that fight to me. I don't, I don't understand. That was the next one I wanted to bring up. I'm on the same page. Yeah, I, I don't understand how, how he won that fight. I don't get it. And then with some of the things that were missed, I mean, I guess it's, again, everyone's back. Everyone's excited and everything else. But like, I feel like Cowboy's another one of those people who that the no crowd environment doesn't really favor. Mm-hmm. I feel like he, he would probably do better in any fight anywhere with a crowd. But even with that said, I still don't think he lost that fight. So, yeah, And then you have – you have the fights like the Vicente Luque fight where they're going at it back and forth. And I think that fight, not that it would have changed anything about it with the crowd, but the energy that you would have been able to feel with the crowd in there would have been completely different. Like, honestly, that fight was minute for minute was probably almost as good as the Gaethje Ferguson Mm -hmm. fight. It was, it was in terms of action, in terms of hard shots being landed, it was definitely bloodier. Um, but I mean, but that's kind of run for the course with the Vicente Luque fight. That dude is a, he is a banger. He, you won't know you were in a fight when you fight him. <laughs> yeah. and, you are going to know you were in a fight, win, lose, or draw. You're going to know you were in a fight when you fight him. And then the same with Calvin Catter. I mean, that guy comes out to just finish people. And that elbow that he hit Jeremy Stevens with, I mean, that could Jeremy kill the Stevens. Horse. I mean, yeah, but Jeremy Stevens, he he comes out guns blazing too. He like does. that was another great fight, and that probably would have been looked at even more. I mean, first of all, they were every it's a stacked card, so every fight was mm-hmm. great. Like the worst fight of the night, probably from a watch perspective, would probably be like Waterson as far as a but even that fight was really good. It wasn't was really even good a bad fight. fight. Yeah. It wasn't a bad fight. Like but in terms of compared to the rest of the card, it's probably the slowest fight on the card. Mm-hmm. Maybe with the exception of the opening prelim with Alvin and Spawn. But even like with that, like if that crowd's in the background, and Nico Pierce is crazy. So if he gets if he gets that <laughs> bad reaction, who knows how that goes? That could probably give him some juice, and who knows what he's he's going to end up doing? He's a wild man. So yeah, I mean, it, it definitely put a different um, it's it definitely a different environment to fight in for sure. And then I mean, obviously with what uh you know Inganu did, I mean, I would not want to get hit by that guy. No way do I ever want to be in the heavyweight division after watching a human being like that. Yeah, I posted. I was like, there's not a lot of guys who can make you like, w- like glad that you're not in that division. Like he's one of those <laughs> no. dudes. Like for you to like, like you look up in, in the rankings or whatever, or you look up and see who who's the next guy you have to go to to get to where you want to be. Like, you want to have to fight that dude if you're at heavyweight eventually. Like, if you want to be the best heavyweight, mm-hmm. you're probably gonna have to fight Francis and Dominic, and it's probably gonna be a rough night. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably not gonna be. It's not gonna be fun at all. Like, no. It's not gonna be one of those fights where it's like, oh, like oh. I, 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 it was a great night. No, that's, that night's going to suck. Everything about that's going to be pretty, pretty rough. Because you can't prepare to take something like that. You can't, you're going to get hit in a fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I mean, Stipe really only showed the real formula for it, like, to be able to take those kind of shots and be able to wear Francis down and get him to where you want him to be. But I don't know what's going to happen if, if Francis fights for the title. I don't, I'm pretty sure he's going to, ex- he's going to explode someone's head. And <laughs> that's going to be that. Because that dude, he's scary, man. He's, he's a scary dude. Scary power. Yeah, and then, I mean, speaking of guys that are scary on kind of a different level, we saw a phenomenal grappling um, performance Bryce from Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell. Woo! That kid is a savage. That Yo, and 
So it it just goes to show you that if you just work on what you want to work on and you get good at what you want to do, that, that that was the ultimate that was the ultimate way to impose your will on somebody. Mm-hmm. So it, that was he, he literally he went through the same same progression, the same steps every time he took him down and Charles Rose just didn't have an answer for him. Like I've never seen someone attempt a twister six times in a fight. Yeah. I mean he used the same sequence from start to finish. The same sequence, start to finish. He'd take it down, wrist control. Once he gets that hip ride, now he even has the option to take your bat and mount you or to take your bag, get that leg laced in, and, and a, a go for the twister. So, But it, it was great to watch. It was it was a master class in graphing. It was really, really great to watch. I'll be interested to see how he does against some of those uh, 35ers with, or 45ers, I think he is. 45, with, uh, yeah. Yeah, with, with, a, with a good takedown defense and people who can, uh, who can, who can throw their hands a little bit uh, more technically on the feet. I think that that'd be a really nice interesting. I saw some I, early. I totally agree to see him in his camo fight. Camo shorts, I know. He, he deserves that. He, he earned that. Man. I, uh, I saw some early uh, early people calling for him versus Ryan Hall um, on a featherweight fight coming up soon. See, while we would probably love to watch that, mm-hmm. you got to think about it from the U.S. Like, people, I think people forget that the UFC is a business. I mean, you get all the Connor hate and you get all, all the, the, the bigger name fighters who all the hate they get, it's still a business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about if, if they do Bryce Mitchell versus Ryan Hall, they're going to fight on the prelims, which is under where they both should be fighting because sure. they're both wizards on the mat. They, they should be fighting in, in some spotlight on a main card somewhere. But no one's going to the, – the, the casual fan, I guess, doesn't know enough about jiu-jitsu to, be, to really be enthralled with that. So, the stand-up oh, guy. I, I, yeah, exactly. Oh, stand him up. Nothing's happening. You guys don't know what you're talking about. You don't know. You're, you don't know what you're looking at. I just feel like that. I thought that fight would be great, though. I feel like it'd be it'd be amazing to see. I think I'd take Bryce Mitchell in that fight. Though. I don't know if I'd take Ryan Hall, which is it's hard to pick against him because Ryan Hall is a really really intelligent fighter and he knows how to get the fight to where he wants to be. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd watch I, it. I think I'd take. Yeah, I'd definitely watch <laughs> it. I, I'd pay to watch it. I think it's. I think it'd be a great fight. But I think Bryce Mitchell would take that one. And then speaking of stand them up guys, uh, they had nothing to complain about, you know, for the main event. I, uh, I mean, I knew Justin Gaethje was good. I didn't know he was that good. You know what's crazy is I always felt like he was that good, but I always felt like he took too much damage. I mean, he had those couple of losses. Like, All right, maybe, you know. But like you said, Trevor Whitman is a phenomenal coach. Mm-hmm. He's such an intelligent coach. And you can tell how, how, how good and intelligent he is when you hear him doing like, the fighter commentary in between rounds mm-hmm. when they have the live events and he's commenting on how guys are moving and what they should be doing and what he thinks about it. And to do what he did with Justin Gaethje is pretty great. And I don't know if Tony Ferguson being the kind of guy that cuts weight with no fight schedule, just to prove his point, and then having to make weight again in another four weeks, is the smartest idea because he, he apparently he gets pretty big. He walks around like two hundred pounds. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but the game plan that Gaethje came out with was impeccable. And I was talking to a buddy of mine because he had a little poll up on his uh, on his on his uh, social media, and I messaged him. I was like, I want to pick Justin so bad. I really want to pick him, but Tony Ferguson showed that when he gets into these chaotic situations, he finds ways to win. Mm-hmm. Like Lando Venado was piecing him up on short notice, taking it to him. And Tony Ferguson found a way to win. Edson Barbosa was piecing him up for the first round, taking it to him. Tony found a way to win. Kevin Lee, for, for the most part, was kind of having his way with him on top with the takedowns and the ground and pound. And he choked him out and found a way to win. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like Gaethje, I knew Gaethje would come out and put the pressure on him. And I figured that um, Tony would have to find out the cage a lot more. But 
Gage's game plan was it was great. He just, he just pieced them up and kept it at that distance. There was no need to do anything different. Yeah, I mean, and the cool it thing kind of, about it makes you wonder what do you have to do to stop those guys? Yeah, I I don't have what has to have that. Like, what what do you have to do to stop them? To stop Tony Ferguson? Like he he got hit with some of the hardest shots I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it sounded like Ngannou was hitting him. Yeah, it, it puts it into perspective, like really what we're doing in there. So I hope that people that watch kind of get that perspective of it too, because mm-hmm. we hear those shots when we're in there fighting and we're competing, but the, the crowd doesn't hear that. They don't understand fully, I think, what's going on in there. And when you get when you're getting hit as cleanly as you're getting hit by somebody that hits as hard as Justin Gaethje does, and to still be like waving waving them on, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the most intelligent game plan to me. Like just like like the whole throwing sand thing, I don't. I, I what wouldn't have been what I would have done in that situation, but you got to be your toughest nails to be able to take those kind of shots and just keep coming. Yeah, and he, I mean he did keep coming till the end, and he even said, you know, he wishes he would have just been able to get put out instead of being stopped. But I mean, yeah, the see, way that he got that. hit with that jab and then like turned his head and looked away, I've never he seen anything like that. And was spinning around. He was like, oh my, like you could see like he he got, he got the good poker face, but he felt he felt every time he got hit. And the whole let me go out on my shield thing, I get the honor in that and mm-hmm. respectability of that, but that's not why we're a sanctioned sport. It's not why we have referees. Yep. The that fight could have been stopped a lot sooner. It could have. And the ref gave the ref gave him a chance to to fight on, which is great. It's good to see, but I think the ref made the right call and stepping in there. I don't, it, it was no need for Tony Ferguson to be able to be put out in that scenario. He took enough damage. Mm-hmm. He took enough. That was then- on the other hand. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, that we were talking about the other the other call that, uh, you know, I don't think many people agreed with. I mean, I rewatched it back a few times and I rewatched the fight, and he he, he previously did let uh, Diamond take a few shots. I just felt like, like Diamond said, he was working his way back up. Mm-hmm. He was starting to find his groove a little bit, but, I mean, Suhudo's really good, man. He's really, he really good. He's really annoying. He's really, really annoying. <laughs> He's really, really good. And, uh, yeah, he was, so he was we'll fighting Diamond really retired. well. I hope he does. I hope yeah. he does. I hope he rides off into the sunset and doesn't ever come back and do another interview. <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch him fight again. I, I yeah. want to watch him fight. But I, I'm good on the interviews. I'm, I'm good on the cringe stuff. I'm yeah, okay. We're on the same page there. Um, now, good. in terms of where you're at, you know, with fighting, obviously this uh, pandemic that's going on kind of has all gyms shut down. People aren't really able to train and and aren't able to do the things that they want to do uh, to stay in shape, get ready for fights. What have you been up to, you know, in terms of staying in shape, keeping busy, you know? Um, well, I got, I got a really, really, really great strength and conditioning coach named Johannes Habtu. He uh, he owns uh, Havoc Training Systems. And he's been keeping me busy. He's been keeping me working, kicking my ass. Mm-hmm. So I've been nice and sore. Um, that's been That's been fun. So I'm doing that. And I've been – I think I've watched – like hours, like in terms of like minutes spent, I think I've watched spent more time watching fights now than I probably ever had. Mm-hmm. Only because I mean, it's just it's another mental way to kind of stay engaged. Like ha- like having a fight, like we said, having a fight this weekend was really really good. But um, and it's a good way to stay like mentally engaged and to take notes and to see how people are using certain things and what entries and what metas and, and what sorts of like watching Bryce Mitchell fight was great for me because I, I like I wish I could show it to you. Like I got a, a notepad full of notes from that fight just the things he was doing and then watching Justin Gaethje fight was awesome like with the entertainment aspect of it as well but like what he was doing from a technical point it was great to see and even with Vicente Luque like Harry Henry who telling him when he switches that stance let the left hook go it's going to be there and then he drops him with a left hook in the next round like mm-hmm. those are notes that 
like as a fighter, I feel like people should be they should be taking heed to because it's for fighting for us now isn't like how it was before. Like everyone's good. Mm-hmm. Everyone's good everywhere. No one's there's not too many specialists anymore. And even the specialists are still good in other places. Like I know jujitsu guys who can knock you out. Yep. And I know not knock out guys who can choke you. So I think it's good to be well versed everywhere. So like having that time has kind of been a blessing in some ways because you get to watch so many fights and you get to take notes and you get to and you get to relive a lot of the things that you've seen, but you couldn't really pay attention to it in a way that you kind of maybe should have the first time. So just between sure. that and staying and staying in the gym, doing that, like hitting pads and doing some drills here and there, but mostly strength conditioning and studying really, just trying to stay mentally sharp, trying to keep my body primed ready to go so that when gyms are open, I can get back and forth. And it won't, it's not going to be anything worse when the gyms are open again and all the fighters have to ease back into training. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, so I, I, we kind of been just doing like just general preparedness work, keeping the body primed and ready to go so that when gyms are open, I can get back in full swing and not have to worry about anything. So that's been great. And watching the finals has been great. It's been working pretty well for me. It's keeping me sane. That's awesome. And, you know, once we get back into the gym, you know, things are back in full swing. We're able to train, put camps together. And, you know, there's, there's some fights that can be scheduled. Uh, you know, what's, what's next for you? What do you have, you know, goals wise coming up the end of this year into next year? Uh, Pro debut for sure this year. Um, I feel like I'm a seasoned enough amateur fighter. I've, I've had, I believe, 10 amateur bouts. So I'm, I'm kind of glad to be um, done with that chapter of it, of fighting. I think I've gotten enough experience where I can take it to the pro level and start to build a career and see what I'm going to do with this. I mean, I love fighting. I love it to death. But it's not something that you can just prolong and keep waiting and keep waiting and keep waiting. But at the same time, you don't want to rush into it. And that was my problem before. I thought I was hot shit and you couldn't tell me anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you start to realize that you don't know as much as you think you know. And all those practice fights, while they don't count for anything now, of course they were the world to me then, but they don't count for anything now. They're nothing but learning experiences. So yep. I got to see where I wasn't good, where I was good, where I could improve. And it got to show me about the ins and outs and, and, and how to train and training with the right people and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm definitely looking to make my pro debut. And then we'll just take it from there and we'll see how everything goes. Awesome, man. Well, you know, we're all looking forward to your pro debut. Hopefully we can get on a card together here soon. Um, I know there's going to be pretty much every fighter in Pennsylvania is going to be itching to get on that first card that they schedule whenever they make that happen. Every fighter in Pennsylvania is always itching to get on a card. That's true. (laughs) You get people pull out. How many times have you had a fight schedule and you had to go through four different fighters to fill in? Uh, well, my last fight got canceled. And before that, I lost three opponents. And the one before that, I lost two. So, you know, it's pretty common. And yeah, so yeah, it's nothing's guaranteed. All we can do is worry about like, a, like I got one of my teammates. He's a, he's a pretty good friend of mine, Pat Sabatini. He's one of the best mm-hmm. dudes in the world. Not even on the East Coast, just in the world. He's so good. But he had a few fights fall through where they were literally falling through like the day of the fight or like two days before the fight. You know what I mean? So if if people like him at that caliber are dealing with it, everyone's gonna have to deal with yep. it. So it's just one of those things. But. Yeah, I mean, hopefully everyone is itching to get back and everyone's doing all the work so that we can put on some fun fights and we can get the ball rolling and everything else. It's going to be definitely great to see. For sure, man. Great I'm looking do. forward to it. Um, you know, hopefully get down there, get training with you every once in a while, too. I'm trying to make some rounds, train with some of our fighters. I think it'd be a good time. For sure, man. For sure. We got so many ha- so many great guys, so many hammers down here in Philly, man. It's really, really – a lot of really good teams, and I feel like the people that I train with are the best. Mm-hmm. So, and, and if we got people all across every weight class, like I, I get the honor and the privilege of training with people like Sean Brady and Jonathan Webb and 
Jer- Jeremiah Wells, like all those kind of, like these dudes are just complete hammers, you know what I mean? So it's it's a great place to come and get better down at Hensel Philly and EFC mm-hmm. and NPR, like all those places are, you want to get great work. So you should definitely come down and make a trip. Be really good for you. Will do, man. I, uh, I'll stay in touch. We'll be in touch soon. Um, you know, stay safe. Hopefully we'll get on a card here soon. For sure, man. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Gordon. Take care.